defensive tackle was one of the better position groups for the Indianapolis Colts in 2022. Now, can that be the same in 2023? Is DeForest Buckner still a top five defensive tackle in the NFL? Will the Colts prioritize an extension for Grover Stewart? And how about that rookie, Adetomua Adabare? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always with my colleague, co-host, and fellow writer at Horseshoe Huddle, Drake Wally. Drake, literally, I think we're about well, on Wednesday. So we're we're on the cusp of two weeks out from the start of training camp. I think players report two weeks from tomorrow, actually. So we're, we're getting close. The, the dead period of the NFL season is almost to an end. You can kind of smell it. Uh, we're, we're just inching closer and closer to, to some real football going on. So how are you doing, brother? How's it? How was uh, Drake Wally's world this weekend? It was it was really good, and you know, uh, kind of going back to what you said, there's no off season as excruciatingly painful to wait for like the NFL. It's definitely the longest. So, um, for for training camp to be approaching and it be so close after all of this build up after the draft and after some signings, man, it, it's it's really nice to to know that it's just right around the corner. But now we're going to talk about some of the biggest players, literally and figuratively, that this team has that are detrimental to the defensive success. Yeah, and, and and I think when you're talking about this group, especially the, the combination of DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart, arguably the best tandem uh, on the Colts, and, and one of the best defensive tackle tandems in the entire NFL. And mm-hmm. and the way they, they played in 2022 was, like I said, one of the few bright spots uh, for this team. And now if they could just take that either to another level or kind of just build upon that in 2023, I think it's going to set the tone for the entire defense uh, to get off on the right foot this season. The chat is already blowing up. Truett, as always, is here. I want my horseshoe huddle. When do I want it? Now. Well, Truett, we're here to grant your wishes. We're here to talk some defensive tackles. Great to see you, buddy. Sharon is here. Hello to you as well. And inside the shoe. Sup, fellas. So it's good to have all of you guys in here with us as well. And I, I know all of you guys, all our, our people in the chat have already done this, but if anybody else hasn't, please go ahead and follow us on all of our social medias like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook, follow Horseshoe Huddle on Twitter at Colts on FN, and subscribe to our YouTube channel here at Horseshoe Huddle. Hit that bell so you know when Drake and I are going live, whenever Destin and Shot are going live. Because like I said, two weeks until training camp, and once camp rolls around, this, this channel is going to be a very, very busy place. So make sure to subscribe. And if you can't catch us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe, rate, and review there. Helps us out with the algorithm so we can reach more Colts fans just like you. So, Drake, without any further ado, let's just dive right into the defensive tackle position for the Colts. Like I said, a group that we really didn't need to worry too much about in 2022, despite DeForest Buckner wearing a bionic arm, uh, having to deal with a, a torn ligament in his elbow, still went out there and was one of, if not the best defensive player on the Indianapolis Colts. Grover Stewart was blowing everything up inside two bright spots in an otherwise dim season for the Indianapolis Colts. 
Yes, and even with that injury, I mean, Buckner still logged a career high, by the way, in tackles. He had eight sacks. He still had 22, which is tied for the second most in his career QB hits. DeForest Buckner doesn't does is not a guy you need to worry about. I mean, if he could play like that injured, good Lord, imagine him fully healthy. As far as Grover Stewart, arguably one of the most, if not the single most underappreciated defensive tackle in the entire league, set career highs literally across the board in almost every statistical category. So when you're coming into a season like this with a new breath of fresh air with Shane Steichen at the helm, Man, it just gets you super excited, especially if Buckner can stay healthy and if Grover Stewart can continue on that path of momentum that he was on. Absolutely. And as we go through these guys here tonight, chat, let us know what you're what you're thinking yeah. about these guys, whether it's Buckner, Stewart, uh, or the rest of the guys that we're going to be diving into tonight. Let us know. Uh, if you feel so inclined, throw up a super chat. and We'll make sure to feature your, your comment on here. If you have a question, we'll be sure to get to it right away. But Drake, you already mentioned the man we're going to start with first. And, and the reason that I, that we titled this episode is DeForest Buckner still a top five defensive tackle is because there was recently a, a a list that came out from ESPN that listed that is going down. And I guess they, they talked to talent evaluators, GMs, different people throughout the league, do a survey in the top 10 players at each position. And when the results came back for interior defensive linemen or defensive tackles, DeForest Buckner ranked number seven on there. And it wasn't long ago where DeForest Buckner ranked two on that list right behind Aaron Donald. So it's, it seems like the league at least has, has cooled off a little bit on DeForest Buckner warranted or, or not. That's, that's kind of what we're here to discuss. So as we go into this 2023 season, DeForest Buckner's third season uh, with the Indianapolis, no, not third. Wait, is it third? Fourth season with the Indianapolis Colts. Time's flying by, it seems. Fourth season with the Indianapolis Colts. What are your expectations for big old 99 in the middle of the Colts defensive line, Drake? First off, disrespected that he's not in the top five, but I think that Wyatt absolutely nailed it. Um, four 12-1 teams don't get much recognition even when they deserve it. I think that's a big uh, part to play in it. But anyway, as far as expectations, very simple here. Number one, he's going to continue to be a dominant defensive tackle. Again, if he can play that way injured, imagine when he can play healthy. Um, I think that he's going to continue to stay incredibly busy with tackles for losses, tackles in general, QB hits. He's just going to be a, a world wrecker back there in the backfield. Um, uh, one one thing that's interesting is if guys like Quiddy Pay can stay healthy, guys like Samson Ebicom can hit their stride and Dio Dangbo can continue to climb, you might even see more from DeForest Buckner statistically. He still had eight sacks from a defensive tackle position, which for a defensive tackle, if you're eclipsing six sacks, that's pretty dang good. Um, and I do think that he's going to actually, I expect 10 sacks from DeForest Buckner in 2023. I think that it will, it will only be the second time he's done it in his career. He had 12 sacks back in 2018, but man, I'm telling you, this guy plays like his ass is on fire and he plays efficiently while he's doing that too. So I fully expect a complete bounce back year and a really good one at that from D-Buck. 
Uh, go, going back to Wyatt's comment, I mean, Wyatt Law is known as being uh, a source of wisdom True. on this show. So so great to see you in the chat here, Wyatt. But I go back to what Chris Ballard said this offseason when there were trade rumors swirling around, well, are the Colts going to deal DeForest Buckner uh, or, or is he going to be a part of this team? And Chris Ballard said, if I could have 53 DeForest Buckners on my team, I would do it in a heartbeat. So that, that kind of just shows the, the love that not only does the general manager have for DeForest Buckner, but the organization, how much they love and appreciate Buckner as well. And, and I would agree. I, I don't think DeForest Buckner deserves to be at that seven ranking. Uh, I, I mean, at the lowest, I would say maybe about four. But when when you have a fully healthy DeForest Buckner I mean, it's hard to, to argue uh, to have there, there are five better players in the NFL uh, at his position than DeForest Buckner. I mean, not only can he, not only is he a, a stuffer against the run, but as you said, he he continually is he's either one or two as far as the leaders in sacks for the Colts since he came to this team in 2020, since the Colts traded for him. And, and that's not just because the Colts don't have great pass rushers. That's because DeForest Buckner is, is consistently eating up double teams and still getting through them in the interior of the of the offensive line there. So it's 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 troubling to see. And I think for us that, that actually that watch every game, that, that analyze every game, study this team like we do, we can see the immense impact that DeForest Buckner has for this team. I mean, I go back to uh, during when, when players were missing missing games for COVID and DeForest Buckner had to miss a game against the Tennessee Titans. And it seemed like the Colts went from one of the best run defending teams in the NFL to just an absolute shell of themselves. And, and Derrick Henry just ran all over the Indianapolis Colts that day. So when you're putting everything together, DeForest Buckner is so crucial to the success of this defense. It's why they went and, and traded a first-round pick for this guy, because the Colts were looking toward that dominant three technique to really drive this thing, drive the pass rush, and drive things up front. And I think DeForest Buckner has done that and more ever since he joined the Colts. Yes, and the thing is, he took that momentum from San Francisco mm -hmm. and brought it right into another team. There was no drop-off at all. I mean, he just, like, continued to devastate offensive lines. And people who make the argument that, oh, you know, you, you, you know, I don't know, you traded for a defensive tackle this, and that wasn't a good trade that. That's ridiculous. Interior defensive pressure is one of the hardest to game plan for. It destroys your quarterback. It destroys your run game. It makes you have to change everything when it's coming right from up the middle so who better to give it than a guy that you could trade for like the Forrest Buckner who is in my humble opinion yes I'll say it a generational talent at defensive tackle this dude is a freak of nature the lowest amount of sacks he's had is three and up till then it's been six twelve seven and a half nine and a half seven and eight he's been consistent he just continues to get better he logs all pros second team all pros pro bowls the guy is just an award machine so I'm telling you, if this team gets like eight or nine wins last year, he's probably a pro bowler, maybe even an all pro with how busy he was in the backfield, even with uh, an injury like he was sustained with. 
Yeah, you're you're getting a perennial Pro Bowl talent with DeForest Buckner, and and that's just good to rely upon on that interior of the defensive line. Now, there are some questions. I mean, DeForest Buckner is getting a little bit older. He's close to thirty. He's not there yet, so he is still in his prime. Uh, but but again, that that elbow injury uh, is a little bit concerning. He was dinged up for the majority of 2022. The warrior that he is, he played through it all. But but what are your what are some questions that you might have about DeForest Buckner heading into the season? Well, it's actually a two-parter regarding that injury. Number one, can he play through the year without having to tough out an injury? So, you know, kind of like we did with Quiddy Pay, can he stay healthy? It's not as Mm -hmm. it wasn't like removing games like it was for Quiddy Pay with DeForest because it was upper body. But I mean, it still is slowing him down. And on the other end of that is if he has to do it again, can he do it again at that high of a level? I mean, when you're when you when you're dealing with pain, eventually pain catches up. So um, that that's a question. I think another one would be, you know, with a healthy defense, Shaquille Leonard out there, Quiddy Pay out there, you know, a seriously healthy defense. What can Buckner really do, you know, in this defense? Because we saw what he could do when Shaq Leonard was healthy in 2021, and holy cow, can this guy play? I mean, he he's elevated when others are elevated around him. So very intrigued to see if he can just absolutely set the entire NFL on fire at defensive tackle if the rest of that defense is healthy around him. I would agree. I think I think for me, and the question for me is revolving around injuries as well. Is is are are we going to start seeing more injuries pile up for Buckner as he gets older? And that's obviously that's something you don't want to see, especially a guy who's who's kind of reaching the final couple of years of his deal. The Colts are the Colts are going to have to be faced with that question of do they pay DeForest Buckner or or is it time to move on? And and I'm sure they'll 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 get to that here within the next couple seasons, obviously, but if those injuries do start to pile up and he starts missing more and more games, that's a big hole to fill in the middle of your defensive line. And, and DeForest Buckner is not just a guy that you, you take a, a backup, even with the, we, we hope that the next step that Dio Dangbo takes, you're not just going to throw somebody in there and then, then expect the type of production and the type of impact that Buckner brings. And, and I know this is something that, that we have been saying over the past couple seasons. I mean, we when Yannick Ngakwe comes to the Colts, we're thinking, you know, this is going to take less attention away from DeForest Buckner, and he's going to be able to eat. Or yep. we say, if Quiddy Pay can take that next step, this is again going to take more attention away from DeForest Buckner, and and that really hasn't come to fruition. DeForest Buckner has still been able to put up pretty very productive seasons, leading to an all pro to, to pro bowls with the Indianapolis Colts, but is this the finally the year? And this really isn't a DeForest Buckner question, more so uh, of a overall defensive line question. Is this the year that DeForest Buckner finally gets some help on that defensive line where not all the attention is directed to number 99 in there? Is this where we're going to see more double teams out for Quiddy Pay, more double teams out to Samson Ebukam? So that way, Buckner can get those one on one matchups uh, against inferior offensive linemen where he's going to have the upper hand. And I think once the Colts are finally able to do that, to give him more one on one matchups and, and not for the entire focus of the offensive line to go squarely on Buckner, then I see, then I can see where he's going to have even a bigger impact on the game than we're used to him seeing 
Well, and we, I, I love how you brought that up because, you know, you would assume that these defensive ends would just absolutely be tearing apart the quarterback because, uh, you know, of the Forrest Buckner's presence or the other way around that he would be, kind of like you said, he would be able to eat because of pressure from the outside. But like you said, if anything, it's been the defensive ends that have truly benefited from him getting the quarterback to bail out of the pocket. I mean, I don't, I, I know that we've knocked that we basically beat this horse dead, but it's the truth. Yannick and Gakwe had a lot of cleanup sacks and a lot of those sacks were due to just relentless internal pressure. I mean, it's just the truth. And so if you have a defense where hypothetically you got Ebicom is playing well and pay is playing well enough where the quarterbacks and the offensive line have to worry about the edges, then that's going to open up far more opportunities for DeForest Buckner on the inside. I mean, when he was in San Francisco and he had that serious threat on the outside edges, he got 12 sacks. I mean, the guy literally got 12 sacks, which for a defensive tackle, that's like Aaron Donald type of status. That's really, really good. So I think if if it all pans out perfectly in a perfect world for the Colts defense, you're going to get some good pressure from the outside and Buckner can finally look like a superstar that he really is. Wyatt Law has, has confidence in the Colts defensive line. He says Ballard has stacked enough D-line talent where Buck and Grover can catch a blow more often and the production hmm. shouldn't decline. Good and point. so it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see. The Colts have really invested a lot of draft capital in and and money into these into this defensive line. And, and at some point we we have to see it come to fruition. I think we saw it last year a little bit when the Colts almost beat the uh, or set the single season record for sacks. Uh, and it coming just a couple sacks short. So we're hoping to see Gus Bradley and Nate Ali really build on that. And I think it starts in the interior with DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. But to, to kind of wrap up our conversation on DeForest Buckner here, we've already answered the question if we think he's a top five defensive tackle. Both of us uh, are resounded yes on that front. But Drake, what do you think his impact is going to be for this Colts team? And maybe not just with production, but as a leader on this on this defense that is continuing to grow and has a lot of young pieces around it too yes um the depth there's depth pieces that are rookies there's depth Mm -hmm. pieces that are young um there's depth pieces that have been brought in as as uh you know unrestricted free agents there's rookies um that are going to get significant playing time who we will talk about i think that if we're talking about the impact right out of the gate He's a mentor. He's a true leader. He's one of the biggest voices in that entire locker room. Now, if we're talking about impact, that's easy. He's going to be heavily impacting in the run defense. He always has, and he always will be. He is going to be heavily impacted, you know, with the interior pressure. As we saw, uh, there were defensive ends for the Colts last season that just truly benefited from his pressure up the middle. So I think that those two things are mainstays. You don't have to worry about those. Um, I do think that he is going to have a chip on his shoulder of sorts because he put on a phenomenal performance and basically got completely ignored almost the entire year. And clearly ESPN um, didn't do him any favors either in in their evaluation. So I think that this for a lot of Colts players, this is a year of retribution. This is a year of telling the NFL last year was an outlier. This is not going to happen again. And DeForest Buckner is going to be one of the biggest reasons for them to potentially be able to show that. I, I love the, that that mentor mentality because I, I think that's what a lot of people see DeForest Buckner as 
in this Colts locker room. And it's, it's not only because he is a, is a phenomenal player at his position, but he's been there, done that and produced at a high level for, for a long time. Especially when you look at the Colts roster and the oldest guys on that roster are only a year older than uh, DeForest Buckner yeah. and, and Ryan Kelly and Luke Rhodes, who are both 30 and DeForest Buckner's 29. So you're you're looking at that at people. This defense trusts DeForest Buckner. This entire team trusts DeForest Buckner. He he's not a he's not necessarily a, a huge rah rah guy. Uh, he's he's more of that gentle giant. But when DeForest Buckner speaks, everybody listens. So while Shaquille Leonard may bring the fire and may be that heart and soul of that defense, uh, DeForest Buckner is is more of that silent killer, that silent assassin. That he's he's a gentleman. He's he's super nice, super friendly. But when that helmet goes on, he's an absolute monster to deal with. So I would expect the the same thing that we have seen from DeForest Buckner. I would expect a Pro Bowl caliber player. I would expect close to 10 sacks, maybe gets to 10 sacks and gets double-digit sacks if that defensive line can take away some some pressure and some attention that he normally receives. And and I expect a a guy that is going to really take on another another step in that leadership role as as we would expect him to do with such a young defense not only uh, along maybe the defensive line, but you got to think about those rookie cornerbacks that the Colts drafted. There's just young guys all around this defense that that, that need another mentor. And, and DeForest Buckner will be one of those throughout the 2023 season. And I think as long as he is a Colt, he's going to be one of those. And so now we're going to move on to our next defensive tackle here, uh, a guy that really I don't even want to call it a breakout season because as Colts uh, as Colts fans know, this man has been doing these things for for years now. Uh, it just seems like he did it on a much larger scale in 2023-2022, excuse me, and that's big growth. Grover Stewart there in the middle. So so Drake, what are your expectations for for Grover Stewart as he enters a, a contract season that Maybe a lot of people are looking at the Jonathan Taylor extension, the Michael Pittman Jr. extension. Grover Stewart is up for an extension as well. And I, I, I'm i right there with uh, our own Zach Hicks. That that man has earned an extension, in my humble opinion. And if we're talking about that Colt, I mean, Colts fans, it's really the niche. They know that the team fans know his impact. OK, he's not a household name in the NFL, but as far as Colts fans, everybody knows Big Grove. Now, he set. Career highs in tackles total with 70, uh, tackles for loss with nine, QB hits with seven, sacks with four. Um, I mean, he even had three pass deflections. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't like blow you out of the water uh, with sack numbers, but a lot of defensive tackles just don't. When you have DeForest Buckner next to you getting consistently six, seven, eight sacks a season, it's hard to look at Grover Stewart and be like, well, you're phenomenal when you see four sacks this is a guy that i fully expect to just continue to stay busy in the backfield i think he's going to continue to put out that high output we've talked about it also that you know 30 31 32 for a lot of skill positions that's old well guess what for defensive tackles these guys can play till they're 36 37 years old stewart might be in his prime right now and so i think that he's also going to have another career season fully expect him to have a career season maybe not 70 70 freaking tackles that is a lot of tackles by the way for a defensive uh for an interior guy not an interior guy but a nose tackle at that anybody like at the nose tackle position for you to exceed 50 tackles is impressive 70 is ridiculous 
I also will, I'll end his expectations with this. I fully expect this man to finally get that elusive Pro Bowl. And even Quentin Nelson last year thought that he should have had that Pro Bowl. So look for Grover Stewart to finally get that nomination under his belt. Shout out to my wife, Danielle Moore, for the, the super <laughs> sticker here. Appreciate you listening, babe. Uh, always good to see you in the chat. But but yeah, Drake, I, I mean, I think this is this is now just a running joke for among Colts fans is is which which player is really high on production, uh, really high as a fan favorite, but as far as around the league, really low on recognition. And it's easily, oh, yeah. it's easily Grover Stewart. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, career highs in, in all those metrics that you mentioned. And and when we when we talked to him this offseason, I mean, Grover Stewart said what he's been working on is to become a better pass rusher. So that way, a lot of times earlier in his career and, and even last season, a lot of times on third down, the Colts take Grover Stewart off the field uh, and, and put in put in a, a better pass rushing defensive tackle to really get after the quarterback. Grover Stewart doesn't want that to happen. He wants to be out there for all three downs. He doesn't want to just be known as the as the ground stuffing nose tackle. He wants to be able to, to go out there and put pressure on the quarterback as well. And he said, that's something that he has been working on throughout the off season. So when, when you're talking about Grover Stewart and, and, and a possible extension that could be coming up for, uh, for Stewart, it, uh, this is kind of what Zach and I talked about when I, when I had made a guest appearance on locked on Colts is that as of right now, you could probably get Grover Stewart for for maybe three years, uh, another uh, I'd say thirteen to fourteen million dollars a season. But if you wait and Grover Stewart goes out there and he starts piling up the sacks and 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 having an even more productive twenty twenty three than he did in twenty twenty two, and then he adds that pass rushing element to it. I mean, defensive linemen they get paid to go after the quarterback. You see them making the the guys that are making the huge money on defense are the guys that are the sack artists that really get after the quarterback and and put up those big numbers. So if Grover Stewart can start getting into that category, his price is just going to keep skyrocketing up as well. And and then that makes it tougher to to be able to keep all these guys. So maybe you do want to prioritize extending Grover Stewart before something like that happens. This kind of what, what my opinion was with Michael Pittman as well. You can get Pittman for cheaper before he really starts to explode on the scene and you're having to pay him really expensive wide receiver money. The same could apply with Grover Stewart as well. I want to shout out to Nathan Barnhart for the super sticker, hey. a loyal listener. Ethan, uh, thanks a lot for that, buddy. We appreciate it as always. But yeah, my expectations, another big season out of Grover Stewart. Again, I'm really high on this defensive uh, tackle tandem. And, and I don't see really any reason to see why Grover Stewart would would take a step back from what he did in 2022 unless a, a ca- catastrophic injury hits or something like that but I would expect the same Grover Stewart that we've seen over the past few seasons a guy that continuously works his butt off and just continues to get better every season yeah and you know uh just real quick to go back to the contract extension everybody gets you know caught up in the in the big the big you know quote unquote sexy positions like the mm-hmm. quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers and all that, maybe even offensive linemen. No one talks about defensive tackles. That's not a glamorous position, you know, outside of a couple guys like like Buckner and like Donald, you're kind of looking at it like, well, they're just there. They're the grimy guys who are, you know, the chaos causers who just, you know, 
will blow up an interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. Grover Stewart, I think, has earned himself this contract extension, and it's also the easiest one to address, probably the cheapest one too. And it is very underrated what he brings to that defense because with him and Buckner both just right there next to each other, that is a huge, huge problem for any offense, regardless of how good your line is, regardless of how bad, you have to address both those guys every single snap. Now, what are your questions about Stewart heading into into this season? Because while he did have a really good season last year, and we've seen him get better year after year, he's not at that perennial Pro Bowl level that DeForest Buckner is. So there is a little bit more more uncertainty with what we're going to get out of Stewart. But but what do you think the big man gives us in 2023? So they're really easy questions. One is what we were just asking. Is he going to get that extension? You know, are the Colts going to risk him potentially skyrocketing his value to 16 million a year or something crazy like that? I will go with a prediction. I think they do extend him. I think they're going to wait until later, but I think they're going to extend him because as we've talked about, they tend to extend their players really late in the off season. Um, they put that kind of at the, at the last part of the importance list. Uh, and the last one is, can he contribute to the pass rush more? Because if he can start doing that and Buckner already does it, and then you've got Quiddy pay and you've got this rotation of defensive ends, putting all that pressure all that together, that could become one of the best defensive lines in the entire league. And I'm not just saying that because we're doing a Colts show. I'm saying that because it's true. They could potentially have a top 10 defensive front, especially if if, uh, Stewart can answer the call to that question and contribute more to the pass rush. True, and ask how many years has Grover played. I think he's entering year seven yep. uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. He was drafted back in 2017, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, I think I think the biggest question for me about Grover Stewart is just because he, I mean, Grover Stewart, well, he may be under the radar to, to some fans around the league that aren't fans of the Indianapolis Colts. I could guarantee you that the NFL knows about Grover Stewart and, and what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's not like he is going to go unnoticed in in those offensive meetings, especially those offensive line meetings. So, with more if more attention is afforded to Grover Stewart this season, can he overcome that? I mean, if that if that attention is going to him, can he still put up the numbers and the production that we saw a year ago? If he's getting more attention, I think that's the biggest thing for me. I know Grover Stewart last year was absolutely eating up double teams, so it didn't really seem to stop him. Uh, But I think, again, more attention is going to be put on Grover Stewart this season as well. So that's what we're going to have to look for is, is, are we going to see that that same type of player that was not being able to be stopped by double double teams, or is he going to start reverting back to, to a little bit of the norm Uh, or is this the new norm? So that's going to be, what's really fun to watch about Grover Stewart season as we, as we go uh, from week to week, but you kind of gave your, your uh, impact um, uh, a little bit. Uh, So go ahead and dive into that. Some more Drake of what you're in, what do you think his impact is going to be for this Colts defense uh, this upcoming season? I think that Grover Stewart, um, you know, coming out of a a college like Albany State and, and, you know, going in the fourth round, um, I really do think he is the kind of guy that when he says something, he puts it into action. So I do believe he's going to add more to the pass rush. I do believe similar to Buckner, he's just going to continue being a big factor in run defense and also similar to Buckner. 
He's going to stay highly active as a defensive tackle. Both these guys had over 70 tackles. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just ridiculous to think about. Um, and look for his tackles and his tackles for losses to just continue on. But really, really look at that sack number because I'm telling you, he's going to probably increase those QB hits, those QB pressures, and those sacks. I think that he is a guy that, again, when he says he's going to do something, he does it because he came out of such a small small school, had a lot to prove, and um, he hasn't gotten that extension yet. You know, So I think that I think that he's fired up for 2023. They were terrible last year, and him and Buckner were arguably the two best defensive players. So, I mean, I would say that he's going to show out. And, and it would not surprise me if, if if this if what we saw in 2022 was just the start of the prime of, of Grover Stewart and, and not the peak because that that, the, the, Love that. The, the guy again like you mentioned it come from Albany State I mean this this guy is not a was not a big school kid. He was a, uh, I think, a fourth round pick back in 2017. So he came on as as a reserve, had to grind his way into that starting lineup. And then when he finally did make the starting lineup, there wasn't a guarantee he was going to stay in that starting lineup. So he had to grind to make sure he secured his spot. And now we've seen him really continue to grind to become one of the better nose tackles in the NFL. And that there's really no question about that. So I would not be surprised if, if Grover Stewart takes another step forward. Uh, and again, I would not be surprised if, if we see another career year out of Grover Stewart. Can he get up to the six, six and a half sacks again, get 70, tackles make double digit quarterback hicks wouldn't surprise me at all and the Colts would obviously love to have that but again uh, I, I, I we're, we're talking about a guy that the Colts would love to keep in the building and he is one of the extensions I would expect the Colts to make I don't know if it's going to get done before training camp starts I don't know if it's even going to get done before the season starts uh, but I would expect an extension to be done uh, with Grover Stewart before he reaches the free agent market that's that's for sure um, and then as we move along to to kind of the the final uh, guy that we're going to highlight here uh, we I touched on him a little bit on on uh, uh, Thursday's episode because he's listed as a defensive end on the Colts official website. But I think most of this guy's playing time is going to come from the middle, uh, from the interior of the defensive line. And that's the rookie out of Northwestern, out of Tamiwa, out of Barre. Uh, the fourth round pick, now I think 110 overall. Uh, and he's actually the, uh, the feature of my newest rookie files piece that dropped this morning as well. So guys go check that out. But, but Drake, this guy burst onto the scene in the senior bowl, a combine. He absolutely lit everything up. His name was generating first round buzz. And then he slid down to the Colts in the fourth round, which I think was a steal for Chris Ballard uh, and this group. But what are your expectations for Adebare uh, as he begins his NFL, his NFL career? You know, um, there's been a couple pass rushers. I believe their names were Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis that were undersized. They were speedy and they weren't necessarily the big bulky types. This guy fits that only he runs a freaking 4.4940, which, by the way, for math purposes, is 0.06 seconds slower than Anthony Richardson. That's ridiculous. (laughs) You're talking about a defensive tackle that almost outruns your speedy quarterback, the most athletically uh, tested quarterback ever. 
Um, I think his shorter frame and that explosive nature that he's got with that frame is going to cause issues. I think it's going to take some people by surprise. I expect him to also be moved along the line. I think that his frame at 6'2", 265, with that kind of speed and that kind of tenacity, again, we talked about Samson Ebicom and how he's you know, got a little bit more of that wide stance and that constant motor. Look no further than right here. Addy Addy has the same exact thing, only he might have an even higher athletic ceiling. So I do expect him to be uh, to play. I expect him to cause issues, and I expect that speed to take people by surprise. I don't think anyone's ready for a four point four nine type of speed to come from a defensive tackle. Adabari is the first player in combine history to weigh in at over two hundred and eighty pounds and run a sub four five forty. Uh, just an absolute menace. It's just incredible speed. I think he had a 37 inch vertical, uh, 37 and a half inch vertical, excuse me, a 10, 10 foot five inch broad jump. Uh, so speed explosiveness. Uh, I mean, the Colts love their athletes and, and there was hardly any defensive lineman more athletic than out as far as testing is concerned at, at the NFL combine. But, but again, you're noticing, you're noticing another theme. The Colts love athletic defensive linemen. They love guys with long arms out has got 34 inch arms. Uh, well, he's not the biggest guy, only six foot two, about 282 pounds. He can play inside. He can play out. Dio Dango could play inside and out. Taekwon Lewis can play inside and out. The Colts really like these in between these tweener defensive linemen where you can really put them at multiple positions and it's all about just getting the best guys out on the field. So if if one of the defensive linemen needs a break, needs a break, Adabari can go in there. Uh, if if a defensive end needs a break, you can put him out there on the edge. He's comfortable doing that as well. So uh, I think I don't know if we're going to see a a huge starting presence, but, but it wouldn't shock me if he is one of the top depth pieces along that defensive line with a guy like Dio Dangbo, you could see Adabari coming in as an end, as a defensive tackle, wherever he is needed, depending on the package. And, and he's going to give you a uh, fair quality snaps. He's got a relentless motor, so you don't have to worry about him taking any snaps off. And, and he's going to really use that athleticism uh, and his at speed to his advantage. And he's a smart kid, went to Northwestern, took mostly honors classes. So he's going to be able to grasp the system very quickly. Uh, so I think he could be one of the one of the rookies that we see maybe have an in, one of the earliest impacts uh, for this Colts team. And he's also going to benefit by being a product of such a deep depth with the defensive front, because yes, I know that there are the guys that they show out regardless of who's around them, guys like Buckner. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, everybody plays better when there's talent around them. And when the scheme fits what they're doing too, this is, this is in my humble opinion, the most intriguing part of this defensive front. You know what Buckner's bringing, you know what Grover Stewart's bringing it's going to be a lot of fun to see what Addy Addy is going to put on that defensive line, where they're going to move him, how they're going to fit him into maybe third downs or early downs. Really, the sky's the limit, and he's also a little bit of an unknown. So that makes it even more exciting to see what they're going to do with him in Gus Bradley's scheme. And I love you say that he's a little bit unknown because uh, while, while we're excited about his potential, I mean, there is also a reason that he fell to the fourth round of the exactly. NFL draft because he has all this athletic potential and the athletic traits are there, but 
I you I'm not sure his his tape at Northwestern a lot of times. Well, he was probably their best defensive lineman. It just the production didn't match up necessarily. He wasn't going out there and and dominating uh, offensive lineman in the Big Ten. So, what are your what are your questions or your main questions uh, for Adabari as he heads into his rookie campaign? You know these questions I have I, I now. I'm realizing we're very similar to what happened. I mean, I know Aaron Donald was a far higher prospect, but this is what people were asking about Aaron Donald when he came out of Pittsburgh. Will his size be a problem in the NFL? Is he going to be able to, you know, overcome that? And number two is, can he stack up as an NFL defensive tackle? Because as we know, these guards, these centers, I mean, they, they typically can eat alive smaller defensive players because it's professional football of the highest degree. Those are two questions he's going to have to overcome. I think a third one is how will the Colts utilize him? Because obviously we're sitting here saying defensive tackle. Well, there were some charts out there that said he's a defensive end. So clearly people have different opinions on what he's going to do. So those three questions stick out to me the most. Personally, I think the biggest one he's going to have to answer, though, is can he can he overcome his size? Being 6'2", 280, that's pretty small for an interior defensive lineman. Yeah, that's and, and I think your last question is the biggest one for me. How are the Colts going to use him? Because he is a tweener. Um, I mean, the Colts list him at defensive end, so is he going to get snaps as maybe the backup Leo behind Samson Ebukam? Uh, or is he going to kind of back up maybe Quiddy Pay, be on that strong side? Uh, but then when you when you spoke with him this after this after he was drafted and he was talking to, to the media, he said, you know, he feels more comfortable rushing from the interior. He thinks he fits really well at the three techniques so uh, would, that would be kind of be a natural position for him to maybe be taken under the wing of an a all pro defensive tackle into Forrest Buckner to learn the ropes learn that three technique position where you, you're really trying to rush the passer uh, and, and that's the main pass rushing defensive tackle position is that three technique where I think Adabari would be would be a really perfect fit even though that you could have a six foot seven to Forrest Buckner and a six foot two Adabari I mean it's a little bit different but uh, the, the the speed the athleticism the explosiveness uh, he said he doesn't really have to think as much when he's rushing from the interior so he can kind of just let his athletic ability take over um, so it's going to be interesting and and I think that's what we're going to see him in multiple different areas in training camp because the Colts themselves they probably aren't going to get a full feel of of where he performs best until the pads go on until they can see him at full speed out there in camp so it's going to be interesting to see how Gus Bradley and Nate Ali really move him around that defensive line to try to find where he fits best in this defense and where they can get the most out of him yeah, and I I think that with the reason, especially the reason that they drafted this guy is because they they took they they did the Ballard thing. They went with the traits. Okay, they went with the freakishly long arms. They went with the speed. They went with something that's completely different than what you see out of most defensive linemen, defensive ends, anything on the front. And that is just arguably the fastest guy that I personally have ever seen get tested at the defensive tackle or end position. I mean, this guy is a lightning bolt. So I'm, I think that's the biggest question, kind of like you highlighted, kind of like I highlighted, what are they going to do with him? Does he start on the interior? Does he go underneath the tutelage of Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner? Does he get moved to the outside? It's going to be very interesting and I'm all about it. I'm so happy that they drafted this guy. I was all about it when they got him. Now, what do you see his impact being uh, in his rookie season? Because obviously, he's not going to be—he's not going to supplant Buckner or Stewart as a as a starter. And and like we said 
on our last episode, Pay and, and Ebukam are pretty entrenched as the stars of defensive end. So what do you see his role and his impact being uh, for his rookie season? I see him being a situational depth piece. Um, I see him being the kind of guy that, I mean, look, if it's third and 12, uh, or if it's like, we'll go with something that, that's more where the team might actually try to get the first down, third and six, third and seven. I mean, you're looking at a guy who runs a 4.4940. He goes in there on the interior. Look, I know everyone's talking about, is he going to have, is his size going to be a problem? The minute that this guy gets by an offensive lineman, a 4.4940, quarterbacks are not going to get away from him i mean he's going to find the quarterback he's so damn fast he's going to find the quarterback so i do see his impact being something where his versatility will allow exotic defensive front lineups where you can just kind of place him all over the uh the front but i also think his speed is going to be unexpected i don't think that you can train for i don't know many other defensive linemen or ends that run that fast so it's like when that happens in live games I don't think that you're going to be ready for it when it first happens. So I think that it could cause some big problems for offensive lines that just aren't ready for his undersized stature mixed with that ridiculous, almost running back like speed. Yeah, I think, and, and again, I think we have to tamper expectations a little bit yeah. for Adabari too, because he is a rookie. Uh, and, yeah. and as we've seen with Quay Pei, Dao Dangbo, it does take a little bit for rookie pass rushers to, to get used to the game of the NFL game. So uh, I, I do see him being a, a nice depth piece to, to, to really grow behind Buckner, behind Stewart, uh, or if they place him out at, at defensive end behind Pei and, and Abu Khan. Uh, so, but I think what you want to see out of Adabari throughout the season is uh, I think you want to see you, you just want to see him growing you want to see him get better game to game he doesn't need to come in and absolutely dominate but you want to see that consistent growth for the game to slow down a little bit for him and, and for him to really start understanding what it means to be and how to play along an NFL defensive line so again I think if the Colts were uh want to take this the best way you I'm not sure if you'd want to put him at a ton of positions, maybe try to just focus him in on one position his rookie year. And then as he gets that down, then maybe you can expand him to another position on the defensive line. But, but kind of start him either a three technique or start him on the outside. Wait till he gets that down before you start moving him around. But regardless, I think he's going to be a solid depth piece. And I'm, and I'm excited to see that athletic talent uh, flying around the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, and Tony Robertson uh, says maybe between five to ten snaps a game maybe maybe more depending on how he plays uh, I, I think it'll be a little bit more uh, I think you could probably see uh, probably looking at, at maybe around 20 uh, because the Colts do like to rotate their defensive uh, oh, yeah. line uh, quite a bit to keep people fresh but uh, if he starts to produce he'll get more snaps so uh, we're gonna have to see how that goes we're not talking about the cornerbacks today but I wanted to give uh, loyal listener Nathan Comancy uh, a shout out he says hello guys do you see the Colts getting Eli Apple for depth uh we'll, we'll just answer this one quick drake my opinion eli apple really doesn't fit the culture or the locker room that the colts have plus the colts i know want to get a lot of their rookie cornerbacks some experience so if the colts do sign a cornerback or a veteran i don't think it would be eli apple 
And I think if it's going to be a, a, a veteran that they do sign, it's going to be a guy that is like a Casey Hayward. That's mm. going to be, or, or, a, or a Fabian Moreau. That's going to be a guy that's not going to take over a lot of snaps. He's not going to ask the start. He's going to be more of the guy that's like, look, I'm just happy to have a roster spot. I'm at the end of my career, or, you know, I'm, I know I'm a depth piece more of one of those guys. Cause I feel like Eli Apple might have some room still, uh, even though he has let up some big plays in recent years, I do think he still has a little bit of wiggle room to kind of argue for some starting time. And I'm right there with Andrew. I think that the Colts are really looking at Juju Brents, Jalen Jones, and Darius Rush to kind of start lifting up even Dallas Flowers. Okay, so as we wind down our talk here about the defensive tackles, uh, there's still others on the roster that we haven't talked about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Colts that really have a lot of defensive tackles, it's going to be interesting to see these battles come training camp. Uh, Tabin Bryan, uh, who the Colts signed uh, in free agency uh, the, this spring. Eric Johnson, who was a fifth-round pick last season. Um, uh, McTelvin uh, Agum, Caleb Sampson, Jamal Woods. Those are all the defensive tackles that the Colts currently have on their roster. So from those guys and outside of the three that we've talked about, Drake, uh, which defensive tackle do you see uh, making the biggest or having the biggest impact for the Colts this season outside of Buckner, Stewart, and Adebari? You know, this one was really hard to, to this was a, this was a, a thinker for sure, mm-hmm. but I go with Taven Bryan. Now, I know that when you look at his first round uh, draft position uh, back in 2018 and you look at how he's panned out, he's been a bust. If you talk mm-hmm. about a first round, a first round draft pick, a defensive tackle, but here's what he isn't. He's not a bad depth piece to have. Okay. Like he's not a first round pick at all. More like maybe a fifth, maybe a sixth type of round pick, but he was just a bust coming out of first round. Here's what he is. He's an incredibly athletic, fast defensive tackle who is going to be a guy that you're going to put in there to continuously get the pass rush going. He's kind of a bull rusher in a a way where if he's going to get past somebody, he's got a lot of speed. He's kind of like out of Buari in the sense that he's very quick with his feet. I think that if you're looking at the depth though, he's got the most experience of those guys. I think that he's been in the league long. He was a four-year starter at the, he was a four-year player for the Jacksonville Jaguars and didn't really start a full season in any one of those four years. But it's interesting because last year he started all 16 games with the Browns. So he's coming off of a full year of starting. I think that he's going to show the most impact. That was a really tough question though, because any one of those guys, even the rookies like Jamal Woods, they could show out at any given moment. That was a tough one. And I, I'm in agreement with you there uh, because I think Taven Bryan, well, if, you, if you're relying on him to be a, a starter for you, you're probably Oof. thinking, eh, it's it's not, I mean, you're, you're a little bit worried. You're, you're thinking it's probably a low-end starter. But well, we uh, got but some I'm, injuries but, if he's starting, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but as a depth piece, you, he comes in and, and gives you 20, 25 snaps a game where he he runs with his hair on fire uh, and, he, and he just guys – goes after the quarterback, I think you're fine with that. So a backup three technique, if he needs to come in on third downs uh, to replace a Grover Stewart, maybe get some snaps there, uh, um, something like that. Uh, but I think Tabe and Brian could be a, a good piece. And I'm also excited to see kind of what Eric Johnson, uh, the, the going into his second year, what he shows because last year it seemed like Eric Johnson was a little overwhelmed, came from a small school, uh, definitely did not seem like he was ready for the, uh, for the NFL. And we saw his snaps really dwindle towards the end of the year. Uh, I think he needs to work on his play strength. So if he's done that and, and again, having that jump from year one to year two, the defensive lineman take, uh, hopefully Eric Johnson can kind of show, uh, that he's made some improvements and, and try to find and, and cement his role as a depth 
piece along the defensive line. So, um, so as we wrap up here, our last question with all of these position previews is we kind of try to preview the depth chart or, or give our takes of what that depth chart is going to look like. So, Drake, as always, I'll let you take the floor first. Give me your depth chart for the defensive tackles uh, as we head into training camp. So the first two are really easy, but the last the last two I actually am going to switch up from my original notes. It's obviously going to be Buckner and Stewart. I mean, there's mm -hmm. not much talent out there that can supplant those two. Um, but I'm going to go with Taven Bryan then, Addy Addy, because okay. until I physically see them take out of Bawari and put him out there for more snaps than a veteran like Brian, both are kind of almost the same in the way that they approach the pass rush especially from the interior, I'm going to go with Brian first, but don't be surprised if Adebaware, uh starts to take over that defensive, uh, that DT three role for the Colts. Yeah. I, I like that. And, and I think, I think Buckner and Stewart, obviously for me, uh, three technique and, and then the nose tackle there. Uh, I will put Adabare as the, uh, just as of right now, we'll have to see how camp goes and where they're actually lining him up. I'm going to put him as the, as the backup three technique. I think that's where he fits best. The Colts obviously uh, have plans for him, put some uh, decent draft capital in him. So if you stick him there, you get him behind DeForest Buckner, you let him learn from DeForest Buckner. I think that's the best course of action. And then I think it's going to be a toss-up between Taven Bryan and, and Eric Johnson is for who backs up Grover Stewart. Um, well, we'll have to see if all five make the roster. I think with Adabari can is outside inside uh, that might bode well for all five to make the roster. If you want to count Adabari as a defensive end. Um, but I think between Taven Bryan and Eric Johnson, uh, those guys are going to be, duking it out back and forth to see who gets one of those final uh, defensive tackle spots for the Colts as we head into the season. But, but I think as we've said with running back, uh, as we've said with tight end, uh, I think when you look at the defensive tackle position for the Colts, this is a group that you can be very confident in heading into the 2023 season. Uh, and it's going to be one of the better position groups for the Colts uh, and for Gus Bradley's defense. Uh, for the first year in Shane Steichen's regime. So that's our that's our show for tonight, guys. Really appreciate everybody joining in. Shout out to Tony Robertson, Nathan Comancy, Unboxing Mania joined us, Sky, uh, Wyatt Law, Truett. Uh, I want us to give a special shout out to uh, uh, my wife, uh, Danielle, and uh, Nathan Barnhart for the super stickers. And also don't want to forget Sharon and Inside the Shoe tonight. No Stats Matt, no Logan Schmidt. So Unbelievable. Uh, what's going on, guys? Stats Matt told me that he wasn't going to be able to make it for the show tonight. And I said, hey, well, next time I think you just have to give us a super chat to make up for it. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see if Stats Matt is back on Thursday. But, hey, if you haven't <laughs> done so already, please follow us on all the things. Like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook. Follow Horseshoe Huddle on Twitter at ColtsOnFN. Subscribe to Horseshoe Huddle on YouTube and hit that bell so you know when Drake and I are going live. And if you can't catch us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, we're on there as well. So, Drake, before we head out, I know you've been writing, uh, again, a lot on HorseshoeHuddle.com, just supplying the people with content here uh, throughout the dog days of the summer. What can people go check out? It's not been easy, but uh, I've still found stuff to write about. Uh, one of the one of the articles is five reasons Shane Steichen can succeed with the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, a new one is both offensive and depth uh, and defensive depth chart previews, where I just kind of break down each position uh, in a little bit of detail and kind of talk about what we're going to see as we approach training camp. 
Go check those out. And like I said, Adetomiwa Adabawari's Rookie Files piece is out. Uh, not only a, a kid that uh, made an impact at the Combine, but you also could learn about his, his family lineage. Uh, in fact, he came from a royal family. So make sure you go read all about that. He's got a very, very interesting and, and very cool story. And then tomorrow, Tuesday morning, Darius Rush drops his Rookie Files piece as well. That one will also be a fun one to read. So make sure you check all of those out on HorseshoeHuddle.com. You can follow Drake at Drake. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL. And we will be back Thursday night to talk about the linebacker position, where there are a lot of questions surrounding what's going on there, particularly around the health of Shaquille Leonard. So we'll try to answer all of those and preview the linebacker position for the Indianapolis Colts in 2023. So until Thursday night, have a good one, everyone.